We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. That is the Dawson T.O. and Fanta Podcast. It is Monday, November 21st, 1143 in the AM, and we are finally connecting. We didn't have a chance uh, to all get together and sit on a Zoom last week, in large part because we were all traveling all over the place. Um, I was in Indy and then in Austin. Fanta, you joined me in Indianapolis for the Champions Classic, and T.O., you joined me in Austin for the Texas-Gonzaga game. Um, we have a lot to talk about what happened hoops wise last week, but before we kind of get into all that, just, you know, what was, uh, what was your favorite part? I mean, we got, we got on the road, we got to see some games in person. We got to see some top five matchups, some top 10 matchups. Fanta what was your favorite part about the last week of hoops. Um, being at the tap in Indianapolis, we had this amazing setup overlooking the bar. I want to thank the tap for having us. It was so much fun to look out right around five 30 Eastern time, about 90 minutes before the champions classic tipped off to see a full bar of college hoops fans it just signified that college basketball is in fact back that this part of the year is so much fun it means a lot more than the casual fan even knows and guys the champions classic delivered the goods delivered the goods it wasn't the best two games ever played the quality of play wasn't necessarily great both Kentucky and Michigan State, then for that matter, Duke and Kansas struggled from beyond the three-point arc. But guys, to see a double overtime game that, that just didn't want to end and to see Tom Izzo rise up and remind us why he's still one of the best coaches in the country, that was my favorite part of this past week. T.O.? Seeing the Moody Center. Had to be up there for me. I've seen a lot of new stadiums. That place is truly unique. And to see what Chris Beard does on a day-to-day -day basis and even a night-to-night -night basis, 
because my man, like he he is taking care of the boosters after the game. He's taking care of the university before the game. Uh, as impressive as the win was, to be able to see how Chris Beard really manages a program, he's truly a CEO. We've talked about Nick Saban being the CEO, Calipari being a CEO. Chris Beard, give it two years. I feel like Texas is going to be up there every season. Uh, like how he treated the boosters, how he treated his players. Uh, it, it's he he has those guys playing hard, and after a few recruiting cycles, and he's able to figure things out. Like it's not just the players; it's everything that goes on around it. And I've said this before, but Texas, they feel like they could fix things by throwing a billion dollars at it, and I'm not sure that's the case. Like Chris Beard has it figured out, like how to build uh, a program and get the fan engagement and everything like that. So there's issues there as far as attendance is concerned, but like. It was full that night, and to be able to get guys in there continuously, like I feel like that's on its way to Texas being an absolute madhouse and a seasonal contender for a national championship. Yeah, the, the one thing that Beard knows how to do is is to invite that fan engagement and to get people to care about the program that he's building, right? He has this ability to connect with people on a level that goes beyond like, He's the head basketball coach. Like he feels, it feels like he's your friend, right? When we were down there, he sent us to a restaurant. He was basically like, "Go here. These guys are going to take care of you." And we walked in. And the guy was like, "Hey, your your uh, your beard's friends, right?" He didn't call him coach. He didn't call him whatever. He's like, "Yeah, your beard's friends, right?" So um, he has a way to kind of get the community behind the program. And one thing mm-hmm. I think that we know about these kind of big state schools is, even if they're a football school, if you get the basketball program going. And make it so that going to basketball games is fun and an event. Mm-hmm. Like those, those fans will show up. Like look at Auburn. Auburn was never a place that was uh, had a crazy environment. And right, CJ, we, so we have CJ Frederick that does a podcast for us, um, and he basically said the craziest environment that they played at last year was when they went to Auburn. Right, um, mm-hmm. we've seen it with uh, with Arkansas as something that's similar. Texas Tech, right? When Chris Beard was there, when th- that was never a home court advantage, and then all of a sudden you get there, you start winning a little bit, and the place becomes a madhouse, and it might be the most difficult place to play in the Big Twelve. And yeah. that's with and an, an environments sell, yeah, mm-hmm. environments sell like that. That arena, if it's it sits twenty thousand people, but for basketball games, they're only going to see ten. What was it, ten six? It was and, so it's it's ten thousand seven hundred sixty three, which is the official attendance. But there's some things that they've done that's really cool with it. One, they have a standing room only section for the students above one end of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that they've done, they spent four million dollars on these like projection screen sound barriers that come down and go over the upper bowl of seats. To, <laughs> and and so like you have you can get highlights played on there. You can get um, they have like all of these logos. It just it looks really cool. And it kind of tells you about Texas and the amount of money they had that just like, yeah, we're yeah. going to throw four million dollars at this. Yeah, whatever. Um, hey. I also think it's really smart for them. They could have sold out that building on the opening night against Gonzaga if they wanted to. But it, what, what Beard is basically doing is he's making it so that it's a hot ticket. Right. Th- just think about simple economics, supply and demand. If you know it's going to be a crazy environment, if you know people are going to see it and be like, wow, that looks like an awesome experience, and there's only a certain number of tickets that you can buy, then you're going to be able to get more people interested and more people wanting to go. And that creates a little bit of buzz about it. It makes it be something where it's the cool thing to do when you're in Austin. It's the new thing to do when you're in Austin. Um, And it creates – I do think it's important with college basketball. If you want to build like – make your home court a fortress – 
to be able to have like that intimate environment where everybody is on top of you and screaming at you when it's so damn loud in there. It was, uh, I think, yeah, it's, I, I think he's going to get that thing going. You know, I, well, I wasn't sure heading into the season, but fancy after seeing it in person, I, I, I feel very good about the fact that he's going to be able to get it going. Absolutely. And, and he's a Texas alum. He wears it on his sleeve. He's the perfect fit for Texas basketball. There, there's, there's no better fit. And it's why Chris, left Texas Tech as, as hard as that was and went to Texas. What I'm curious to see is, and I believe you, Terrence, what you said about this facility, beer, mm. the talent they can get, the resources they can pour in. It's all there. And now they have the right leader. Like you could have great resources, assets, and brand, but you might not have a guy who can keep your program humble, working hard, grounded in the right frame of mind that just goes beyond throwing money at stuff in college basketball in 2022 being a a ceo is is not enough just look at lexington right which we'll get to uh for me guys i'm curious to see if texas takes off like a rocket and could be a national title contender we talk about these incoming schools to the big 12 and what Houston's going to add, what BYU's going to add, what Cincinnati's going to add, UCF. What happens to the SEC, which has already been climbing and climbing and climbing? The SEC looks really, really good. What Mm. happens if Texas is on a level that we think of with Elite Eight, Final Four? Arkansas is making the Elite Eight a norm. They've done it back-to-back years. Kentucky's going to beat Kentucky. Auburn, Bruce Pearl's done an amazing job there. Add Chris Beard into the Southeastern Conference to come. And that, to me, adds a whole different different edge, potentially, in the Southeastern Conference, a conference that I already like the trajectory of quite a bit. It, 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 this is going to be a wild statement, but I have a feeling the way it's going to go, like I'm projecting Texas-Kentucky oh. to be like the game. Like that is going to be the game in the SEC. Moving forward, wow. like think about those two mega states and the way Chris Beard has it going. Can I like, throw? They're gonna they're gonna re, they're gonna recruit the same kids because Kentucky's already dipping into Texas. They got Kason Wallace. Mm-hmm. Like they they dip into to Texas. Damian Damian Collins. He's also a, a Texas kid. Like they're gonna be recruiting the same kids. They're gonna be going at it every game. I just Rob pretty much took the words out of my mouth when it comes to like the way Texas is making it an intimate atmosphere. And I, I did never understood these big cavernous arenas. Like, okay, fine, you seat 25,000 people, but if there's only 13 in there, it feels empty. So yes. now you have 10 people packed in on top of each other, and it is an atmosphere. And that's what kids see. They don't see that, like, kids see the immediate. Kids see right in front of you. They don't care that they fit 30,000 people. They care that their people are there, and it's loud, and it's fun. And I'm I'm telling you, I think Texas is going to be it's going to be Texas Kentucky uh, at the top of the SEC for years to come. And obviously, Arkansas is going to have their moments, and Auburn's going to have their moments, and Tennessee is going to have their moments, and Florida will be Florida. But I, I feel like those two that as Chris gets it going, like Texas Kentucky is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it's going to be just those two. You know, exactly. Yeah, what like Texas Arkansas would be so much fun. Yeah, Arkansas is going to – as long as Musk stays there, and I mean, he can kind of bounce around. But it doesn't generate the juice. 
national like arkansas as good as they are they don't generate the juice or else I they'd think be they do. and they will I once they, they be featured a little more. bit better i just but since when it, it's texas basketball how are they going to generate the juice like i, I do chris beard that, chris beard that's how sure, they're sure well, eric like musselman. Bruce, yeah eric, musselman. eric musselman's got he's got probably more of a presence than beard does on sec things. network in basketball season might as well be the kentucky network texas has their own network like you're gonna have serious i mean there's going to be major play for that game yeah i mean i I get what you're saying and you're right um that they're that that's going to be an awesome hopefully that'll end up being a great rivalry moving forward but Mm -hmm. like let's let's not act like auburn hasn't been to a recent final four and and won two sec titles in the last five years you know auburn would trade auburn they know still has it going for and sure and so they would trade everything for a good football team you don't think texas would too Texas absolutely. I just feel, they would. I'm t- they would sell. They would sell Chris Beard until into indentured servitude to make their football team be the number one team in the country. <laughs> like, that's that. That is a certified fact. Like that. This is. It's going to be fun to go to basketball games, but they would sell all of that in a second at a cut rate price to be able to get f- football good again. Same with all many, the SEC. But school. how many? But here's here's my hey, here's my here's the crazy part. Here's how the crazy many people thing, are wait, how many hold on, hold on. waiting in line for hours to be like I can't wait. Besides the students. But like, how many people are waiting? But like, I can't wait to see Auburn basketball. Think about how what? many people are like, man, they can't yeah, but it's, it's Auburn. It's not even the State School of Alabama. Yeah, but like, they, they like, keep out overnight. But I get what you're saying. I get I get what you're saying. Doster, Doster, Doster. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> so like, if te- Texas has that whole state of Texas, Texas is massive. Texas, like, the, it, like for them to be able to get it where it's going to go. Like, and it'd be the fit, like that massive state. And then Kentucky with all their tradition, like it is going to be something different. Like people don't just turn on the TV and like look for an Auburn basketball game. And I'm talking about the general fan. People know who Texas is. People know who Kentucky is. Like the, the basic fan base, like the basic, I don't have an allegiance. I went to Moorhead state or something like that. I'm going to watch Kentucky. I go to Tarleton state. I'm going to watch Texas. Like if you go to if you go to I don't know what name me a division two Alabama Huntsville we're really going to focus in on Auburn it's not the same that's all I'm saying like I like the Texas Kentucky thing like those are the two massive bases that extend beyond just their school. Hold on a second though. Problem is the problem is is that Texas still probably isn't even the best program in their own state. You're probably right. Right now you're probably right. They're they're not. They're not even right now, top two, right. bro. They're right not now, even top right. two. Houston's the best team in the country, and I right. still like Baylor. And Baylor's been number one in the country in each of the last three seasons. They won a national title. Teal's coming with the hot takes. I love it, man. It's spicy. He gets to the bottom. It's hard, but it's, it's hardly a hot – just from a pure following standpoint. No, I get – look, I get what you're saying. I, trust yeah. me, I get what you're saying. But in the SEC where – Tennessee is always going to be in the mix when they have Rick Barnes, where Auburn, where Bruce has that thing going right now, right? Where Alabama yeah. under Nate Oates is always going to be at least relevant enough. The the teams that I I feel bad. Like, you won't imagine- say Kentucky. You won't say Kentucky because you got takes on Kentucky. You're not bringing up Kentucky. No, no, no. Like I'm I'm just saying like it's not going to be just those two. Kentucky, they'll well they'll they'll be good anyway. Listen, we have some yeah. overreactions that we have to get to. Will? And I think yeah. starting. Starting. <laughs> we have some we have some overreactions. I want to start Gonzaga, Kentucky. Um, because yeah. here's here's my my biggest take is I don't think Kentucky's very good this year. Like after watching them play two times against really good really good opponents, I, I think they are kind of like in that top 20-ish range, right? Top 15, top 20. 
to me. I think that there are some severe limitations. I think that it is uh, not the, the not a roster that is ideally put together. And if they go more than seven deep moving forward in SEC play, like I just don't know how you do that with this team. Fancy, you look shocked. This Why? is exactly this is the exact opposite of what you said in the preseason. Yes, I know. And now that I'm watching okay. it, it's like, yeah, okay, like this is not this is not working. It doesn't okay. work, right? So. They have the best player in the country. And if he's not the best, he's top two or three. Most productive. See, what? I would that's that's where I would put back push back, right? Because they are building around a guy who is not a go-to scorer. Oscar Sheba does all the little things well. He is a complimentary piece. He is a role player right. at heart. I don't think that he is a guy that you want to build an offense around, right? Let, let's, let's, let's do the comparison with Drew Timmy, right? When you run offense for Gonzaga, everything they do is built around, okay, let's try to get Timmy isolated on the block 10 feet away from the basket and let him go draw a double team or make a pass. Let's try to find a way to get Timmy running downhill, going up against a big guy where he can kind of do that little step through around him and lay it in. Uh, Oscar got two fouls doing that um, doing that uh, last night, right? It's about, okay, let's put Drew Timmy in a position where he can handle the ball, bring it up, and pull big guys away from the basket. He's super skilled. He's a guy you can run an offense through. Oscar's not a guy you can run an offense through. Well, I would I say, like, yeah, but I – I would say Gonzaga beat Kentucky because Julian Strother and Rasir Bolden. Oh, no, no, I, I agree. But I'm just – what I'm saying is that Kentucky doesn't have those other yeah. options, right? Their best well, offense right now is like a missed shot, let Oscar go get it. That's a yeah. problem. So here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. The talent level and the coaching are not matching each other because I do think they have enough. I do think they have enough to be a great team. And they've been outcoached. In back-to-back games. Tom Izzo put John Calipari in a body bag in Indianapolis. He outcoached him. He ran circles around him. And on Sunday night, Oscar Shibway said after the game that John Calipari calls out plays, and the problem lately is we don't run them. What on earth is that response? That happened. You, we saw that happen with Jacob Toppin. I forget what possession it was, um, but – it was at the end of the Michigan state game and he called up something on the sidelines out of bounds. And it was supposed to be for top and sitting the screen for, I think it was for CJ Frederick and Toppin just didn't run the play. And I, I was sitting close enough that I could see CJ Frederick going, what are you doing? That play was for me. And Toppin was just like, whatever. And then you see him immediately get yanked out. And here's the problem. They put in David who, who, Toppin or Toppin or CJ Toppin, Toppin or CJ. got yanked immediately. Yeah. Got yanked immediately, and they bring in the problem is they bring in Damian Collins, and then Damian Collins fucks something up on the offensive end. Like he's just he's not ready for this level of basketball yet. So I, I that's my in the losses in the losses to Michigan State and Gonzaga, Kentucky shot thirteen for fifty from beyond the arc. At times, those were open looks. At other times, they were not high percentage shots. Their half court offense is stuck in nineteen ninety nine. It's not a good half-court offense. They don't challenge a defense. They try to beat you on talent and talent alone. They've got talent. But that is a group that, to me, has not been coached up well. And, and I know that I'm being critical, but facts are facts, guys. When you look at what they have, like for C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves to go three for 13 from beyond the arc, that's 10 misses. In Spokane, you're not going to win there. 
You're not going to win there doing that. They missed as many shots, if not more, against Michigan State. Severe Wheeler's inability to shoot the ball hurts this team. It hurts this team. Mm. He doesn't shoot the basketball well, and it has hurt this team because they don't have a point guard who can make shots. They've got weapons, though. But right now, in my opinion, there's a disconnect, and that's bad. But it's not shocking. There's a reason why this program didn't make the NCAA tournament two years ago. There's a reason why they lost in the first round to St. Peter's last year. And there's a reason why they've lost games to Michigan State and Gonzaga. And that is this. It's not necessarily that everyone's caught up to John Calipari because in recruiting, he's going to be first. It's that he's fallen back because you can't just get it off talent alone. you got to have on-court execution. And you can't tell me Kentucky's on-court execution with their personnel is good right now. You cannot tell me that. T.O., if you look at at, uh, their roster, they have a lot of really good college players. They have a lot of really good college players, but college players that have thrived at previous spots within a system. You look at Severe Wheeler. Whenever he was at Georgia, they set a lot of things up for him, and he's still doing what he does. What is he averaging, nine assists a game? Uh Like the two things, there's been one of two things that Calipari has had when his really good teams are really good. The explosive guard play, like so fast people can't keep them in front. The other thing they've had is a dominant shot-blocking big man to where they can get out and push. Sheeb's a a lot of things, a lot of great things at the college level. He's not a huge rim protector. He's not a huge rim protector, and it's not his fault. He's 6'9". He jumps pretty well, not great, but he's an effort, effort guy. Severe Wheeler isn't going to change a game or flip it on its head and get wherever he wants whenever he wants. Like John Wall could do that. Derrick Rose could do that. The Harrison twins were pretty good, but they had, who was it? Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis behind them? Like his great teams had either a great one or a great five. I'm not sure they have either one this year. And I love Sheep. I, I want this to be taken the right way because I think he's a great college player. And he's not just a good, like he's a great, one of the all time greats, especially from a stat perspective. But for what he is needed, and when I say he, Calipari is needed. You need somebody who's going to erase stuff at the rim, erase it. Sheeb's not that. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like you have to coach some of these guys up. And then not only that, like he's getting four or five draft picks in the first round a year Some in some of those things. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
And T.O. just froze. Um, <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll make this point about Kentucky. I, I think T.O. is actually in the Bahamas, by the way, so that's why his internet is not not, not the greatest at the moment. But um, my biggest issue is that Coach Cal does not create easy shots for the players on his team, right? He, he doesn't create – he doesn't – Bill. I, I, the best comparison I can make here is Bill Self, right? We saw him turn David McCormick into a threat offensively because all you have to do is run a set, you get a, a seal, ball swings all the sides, McCormick catches it, turns around, and lays it in. And you never see that for Shibway. The only time he can catch and lay it in is when he goes and does the work on the offensive glass. They don't get easy shots. And to me, that is the biggest issue that you're going to find with this group is that they don't create easy shots. Um, Cal does not create easy shots for them. And that is a problem when you don't have guys that are going to go out and do that on their own. When you don't have a Drew Timmy, when you don't have um, one of the superstar point guards, when you don't have someone kind of of that ilk. So I think to me, that kind of is why I look at Kentucky now and I'm like, yeah, I think they have a little bit more of a ceiling than maybe I expected coming into the season. Um, Real quick, let's just talk a little bit about the Gonzaga side of this. Fanta, uh, are you where do you stand on them now? Because if you kind of look at this big picture, right, they won an ugly game against a Michigan State team on a boat when their shooters weren't effective, uh, against a team that I think we can now agree is probably better than what we thought they were heading into the season in Michigan State. Yeah. And then they went into Texas and they got smacked around a little bit, but it looks like that is a really good Texas team in one of the craziest environments that I've been in in college basketball. So, how do you where do you view Gonzaga big picture right now? I think there's still a Final Four caliber team that had a showing against Texas on Wednesday night in which Texas hit 13 threes and Tyrese Hunter was otherworldly. Nobody was beating Texas at the Moody Center on Wednesday. You were inside the building, so you know that better than me. That's a good experience for Gonzaga. It's a good experience for Drew Timmy and Gonzaga because as long as Drew Timmy's been there, the Zags are 93-8. and they don't lose much. Rob, sometimes you got to lose a game. And and that loss to me is a good thing for them going forward. And I, I look at them, I just think with them, it's going to take some more time for their backcourt to become solidified as as T.O. joins us again. I, Sorry, guys. I just look at it. That's all right. We're just talking about Gonzaga. I, I think with them, the ability of Rasir Bolden, in this win over Kentucky was really impressive, and it was needed. It was needed. Gonzaga has to answer the question, and I I don't think Nolan Hickman's going to be the firm answer to that question at all. They have got to be able to handle the basketball well, make things happen in their backcourt, and if they get that – because the thing is, we take it for granted with Gonzaga. Guys, they went from Jalen Suggs – Andrew Nemhard running the show. They've had incredible backcourt play. That had a little bit more of a question mark, but for me, I thought Rasir Bolton was as good as anybody on the floor on Sunday night. And I think Julian Strother is on a trajectory to hear his name called in Brooklyn next June. He's long. He makes plays. He's disruptive defensively. And guys, he's elevated his offensive skill set. Here's what I like about Gonzaga. I like the fact that there's an undetermined ceiling with them. I think they can keep getting better. I think they benefit from getting the doors blown off them at Texas. I'm not ready to say that they're that they're not good enough, you know, to make a Final Four. I just told you, Rob. I think they're Final Four caliber as they keep getting better and better. To me, there's actually some good in having questions to answer because I think Mark Few is one of the best coaches in the sport. 
And I think Rasir Bolden's only getting started in a what will be a major, major season for him. Mm-hmm. My concern, and I said this last night on uh, on our little playback thing, T.O., is mm-hmm. I don't know if I trust the point guard play. Um, and I don't know. Nolan Hickman hasn't shown it yet to be the level that we thought he was going to be this season. He hasn't shown that kind of breakout star potential. Malachi Smith is playing 11 minutes a game. Um, Hunter Salas has not been that dude yet. So I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um, but I think that once you're getting that kind of shooting from – from Strother and you're getting that kind of shooting from Bolton and those guys are making threes and kind of spacing out the floor that will, that will be enough for them to be kind of be in the mix. And in a year like this, where it doesn't look like there is a, a team that's head and shoulders above, uh, above everybody else. It might be maybe Houston is, but um, that's kind of where, where I'm at with that. I'm worried about the point guard play. What about you? I I thought it was telling that they let Timmy bring the ball up the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a big part of it. Now you can run a lot of interesting things with your five man running the one in the point guard. I mean, look at what Texas did with Timmy Allen last year. But at the same time, that said a lot about uh, Fuse's faith in some of those lead guards. Hunter Salas is fine. That's not what we're used to saying about Gonzaga guards, right? We're not used to saying f- just fine. Uh, they are going to figure it out. They still have length around the perimeter. I didn't realize how big Strother was until I saw him in person. That's a big dude. Mm-hmm. And he has he has a lot of talent, so I, I'm not ready to put a cap on what what they can do. Uh, any team with Drew Timmy, like he just takes it's such a cumulative effect whenever you play against him. And I'm not willing to say this about because I feel like there was a couple technical fouls in that Gonzaga Texas game that was like it really killed their momentum. In college basketball, momentum is such a crucial thing. Anytime they started to make a mini run, boom, technical, flopping technical, something happened. So, like, I'm not sure if Texas and Gonzaga play on a neutral site that that game's not a lot closer. But at the same time, like, there are some questions. But I'll be honest, guys. Like, I like some of the things that I saw out of Nolan Hickman. Like, is he this dynamic playmaker? No. But, man, he can do some He can do some really nice things, especially when he's looking for his own shot. But that being said, I mean, they typically have a setup guy that's high level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he still has room that he can kind of get better. So it's right. That's that's where you're going to see the development come from. If those guys can hit a ceiling, if those guys hit a ceiling, then the conversation that we would have about Gonzaga is going to change. Just like if Hickman ends up living up to the potential that he has, then Gonzaga is a top five team in college basketball. Strother's going to play like this, and if uh, if Bolton's going to shoot the way that he shot, um, let me remind you guys. Really quick, just some promo stuff. The Field of 68 Daily, that is linked in the description below, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you are listening to uh, to it in your podcast feeds. Best place for you to get updates every single day um, on uh, on everything that has happened in college basketball. It's run by Mike Miller, my former boss at NBC. Um, it is free 99. You can read the thing that every single Division One coach and every single Division One administrator is reading every morning when they wake up. And Fanta. Fanta's reading it too. You got Are you raising your hand? Do you have something to say? Yes, my hand is raised from the back corner of the classroom. <laughs> Guys, on Monday, November 21st, 2022, the AP Top 25 poll has dropped. There okay. are six Big Ten teams in the Top 25 in the Here we go. Three. Here we go again. Here and we the, go fourth, again. the fourth highest team in... Of the Big Ten teams is number 23, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Maryland. Here we go again. 
who just won the Hall of Fame tip-off, I ask you, are you buying the stock that I was buying in the preseason when I said multiple Big Ten teams to the Sweet 16 this year? Nope. kind of am. And nope. look, I know this is going exactly the way that T.O. predicted this in the preseason, right? T.O. I called this shit. I call it. I called it. <laughs> Just say, SOS. Same old shit. Are here's, we going to fall, oh, Are we gonna the, fall in love T.O. with the Big Ten? Are we going to fall in love with Hook, line, and sinker. They got us again. Here's, hook, the reason why, here's the reason why I'm bullish on them. There's two reasons why. Yeah. Um, the teams that have surprised us, I would classify Michigan State in that mix. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm gonna, I want, hold on. Hold on. All right. So I want you to. I want you to. So you say that team that that you like, and then I'm going to respond to each team, and I'm going to. All right. So Michigan State. Go ahead. So they're, well, they're, the the three teams that have really surprised me are, are Michigan State. Okay. So Maryland. Hold on. Oh. Maryland and Illinois. And the reasons why I am now kind of trending towards buying the Big Ten is that those are not teams with big lumbering five men. If you look at what. Uh, if you look at what Michigan State is doing, they can play Mati Sissoko at the five, but their lineups against Villanova that, that were the most eff- uh, effective were the ones that had Malik Hall at the five, Joey Hauser at the four, and two point guards and A.J. Hogard. I'm sorry, A.J. Gohard and uh, and Tyson Walker. I think that with Maryland, they're just so long and athletic and versatile, and Dante Scott's been a stud. I want to see a little bit more. Like I, I, We don't know if, if Miami's really all that good or if St. Louis is really all that good, but I think they are, so I want to see more, but I'm buying that. And then Illinois, they can, if you want to play small, they can play Coleman Hawkins at the five. They got a couple of good guards. The Epps kid came off the bench. It was really good last night. But if you got to play big, you still got Dane Danger. Welcome to the danger zone. And it makes them a little bit matchup. <laughs> independent. So um, that's that's why I'm kind of buying them. Is My issue with the Big Ten was always like, what happens when you actually play basketball that is not stuck in 1985 where you don't have a seven foot one, 380 pound five man out there lumbering up and down the court? And the three teams that I just mentioned, I think, have guys that can – uh, play a style that is different than what you would normally expect from a Big Ten team. Does that make sense? I'll give you Illinois. I'll okay. give you Illinois. Maryland's still up in the air. Not willing to completely buy in on that one, too, because Miami's up and down. And then Michigan State's the same thing that we say about the Big Ten. They just have dudes that have been in the system for a long time. They're, all, they're a finished product right now. Right now. It's the same old stuff, guys, and we're going to fall for it. We're going to fall for it. It's the same thing. Izzo's had okay. the, those guards are back. Those guards yeah. are back. They have Joey Hauser, who he's been Joey Hauser. He's been he's been a good version of Joey Hauser lately. And it's just a bunch of guys that have been in the system for a long time. The upside's not where it is. It's the same thing as as, as last exact same carbon copy, Fanta. Well, carbon copy of last year. Well, but but here's the thing. You got to have depth. And you got to be able to win these games this time of year. I'm not saying that that that, that ends up being great for you come March. The, the, two, the two things don't equate. We see plenty of teams win games this time of year. We also see plenty of teams take advantage of their multi-team event that end up bottling up a really special three days. But that's not who they are over the next three months. It's not who they really are. Sometimes teams play just at a different level over a couple of days this time of year, then then teams figure them out. They watch film, coaches adapt, their leagues adapt. That's how it is. Having said this, this was supposed to be a down year in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten has proved a lot of people wrong right on the hopper because when we say down year, we're talking about down year in terms of how many teams you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. And for the Big Ten right now, 
they got to feel good about their balance. And here's the thing, guys, non-conference play doesn't go as long as people think it does. You know, this week is huge. It's huge with all the MTs going on that we're going to talk about. But December, guys, for a good 10 days in December, there's a bit of a lull in the sport because these schools are taking finals. There's not as many big games in the middle of December. And guess what? The Big Ten starts conference play the first week of December. Yeah, so does ACC. Yeah, so does the ACC. So the the Big Ten has built up some really, really good rapport. And I do think, guys, that Illinois is a dangerous team. Yeah, I agree. Michigan State, just because they might have a cap on on what they can be, doesn't mean that I want to see them on my bracket come March. And here's the thing. We don't think about Maryland. Penn State or Rutgers when we're talking about the Big Ten enough. But Penn State's got Jalen Pickett. They are five and one. They're not bad. I watched them play a couple times last week. I, I was surprised at how they played. Maryland. It's almost like when you hire Michael Shrewsbury, your team's going to get better. Yeah, exactly. Dante Scott. It's almost like when you hire Kevin Willard, your team's going to get better. Dante mm-hmm. Scott's playing the best basketball of his career. He's playing the Julian Reese is big time. Hakeem Hart, they got better in the portal with Jameer Young and, and Don Carey, and they play tough. They're playing together. Willard's building culture there down in College Park. And Rutgers, as much as they've struggled on the gates, been a little banged up. Like, the thing is, Michigan is not ranked. They're going to be a good team. I want to see what Ohio State is this week. But Indiana, guys, for all the flack we give Indiana – they beat a good Xavier team in Cincinnati on Friday night, and Trace Jackson Davis manned up and had 30 points. Like, TJD has it has it on his mind to lift Indiana to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, and I'm buying stock in that. I am. Down here, no down here here. There's no down here. They're going to get eight or nine units. They're gonna and, get- and they're all going to get beat in the first round. Well, no, I don't think they're going to get beat. Same in the first old shit. Round, but, Same but, old shit. They're all old dudes. All of them, they, all of them are going to get beat. In Not the first all round. of them. Uh, if they get eight, six of them will get beat. Well, T.O. Not a good con- it's not a good league. T.O. Like when you in tournament time, it's not a good league. It, it's been proven and proven and proven. T.O. is the anti Big Ten guy. Well, I, yeah. Well, another thing is too, like they beat Maryland, beat Miami. Miami's got two transfers in the starting lineup. They're still learning to play together. Like Maryland's got a new head coach. Maryland's got a new head coach. They're still learning how to play under Willard. Yeah, but the first three people that Fanta mentioned, those are returners that should have been that Maryland team last year. I don't maybe, know. I wouldn't maybe discredit it's a new coach. Well, all, all I'll say is this. I actually tend to agree that I don't know if there's a national title contender in there. Right? Same old shit. Same things last think, year. I don't know. Like, I don't <laughs> know if there's a – I'm not off the take that there's, like, not a top 15 team in the Big Ten. Illinois, maybe. They have a super yeah. high ceiling. But, like, they won a game where Terrence Shannon went absolutely supernova. He's never going to do that again. Right? We're never going to see eight for nine from three from Terrence Shannon again. That might end up being the greatest performance that he has in his entire life. And he could yeah. spend the rest of the year doing what he did last night. That would not surprise me at all. Um, so I don't know if there's a Final Four team in the Big Ten. But I do think that the the league is deeper and better than I expected because teams like Michigan State, like Maryland, um, are, are better than what I thought they were going to be coming into the season. And one thing I will say about Michigan State, like, I, I hear you, T.O. I, I I really agree with you that like they are a finished product now. Um, yeah. But guard play matters so much when you get to the tournament. And how many backcourts are better right now? And how many backcourts have a higher ceiling than playing A.J. Hogard? I'm sorry, A.J. Gohard and Tyson Walker together? Like there's probably not 10. a lot. Are there? Is there more than 10? 
that you would trust more than those two? Is there more than 10? I don't know if there's more. There's not a lot of great no, guards out there, not man. Not today. Not there's today. Not a lot of great guards. And like maybe that changes if let's just say like someone like a case on Wallace explodes or Nolan Hickman figures it out when we get to February. But those dudes are veterans. Tyson Walker's in the second year in the program. I was awesome against Villanova the other night, right? AJ Gohard is is uh how you feel probably... about Villanova? Well, let's talk about them because you want to hear something wild? Here's mm-hmm. a wild stat for you. You know who the highest ranked team in the Big East on Kempom is? Who? You guys know? Vance, yeah, do you know? I know. You don't know? You don't know? I've had them four out of five games to start the season. Yeah, I know. You are basically. It's got to be UConn. <laughs> You're basically the beat writer, right? No, it's it's wild to me that if they are. Well, one, I don't think they're the best team in the Big East. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Creighton is currently undervalued on Kempom. Um, but it, I think that that says a lot about the Big East if this UConn team is the best team in that conference. Because I, I think UConn is like a – if they get to the second weekend, it's going to be a really good year for them. That's kind of where I'm at with this team. Is that crazy? Do you think they're better than that, Fanta? You're giving me a look. I think they're really, really good. I do too. I think they're good. I mean, I'm telling you right now, this is the best team he's had. They're, I, no, I agree with you there, and he hasn't been out of the first weekend. They're, they are – here's the deal. They come at you in waves. Like, I'm looking at coaches across the way, albeit mid-majors. But you look at Adama Sanogo and Jordan Hawkins, they'll come out and he'll bring in, because he's still kind of easing his way back, he'll bring in Andre Jackson and Donovan Klingon. And then Tristan Newton will commit a foul and he'll say, I'm going to bring in Hassan Diara, who helped lead Texas A&M to an NIT championship game. And then it's like, well, I need a three or I need something. I'm going to put in Naheem Aline. And then it just goes on and on with them. Alex Caravan has won Big East Freshman of the Week back-to-back weeks to start the season. Alex Caravan is the best freshman in the Big East Conference at this moment. At this moment, he is because Cam Whitmore has not played. My point is, mm-hmm. you can't. here's the thing with Connecticut. Connecticut has been held back by the finesse of the game. They have not shot the ball well from the perimeter. They still haven't even shot shot the ball well this year from the perimeter. That team, though, guys, is well-rounded. They're physical. They're going to defend. Now they have more shooting. And Hawkins, Rob, the reason why I disagree with you on kind of – like I, I'm with you on the on the, the second weekend would be a very good season. I think, I think anybody would agree with you. I think even that coaching staff would agree with you. Mm-hmm. But, guys, but I'm telling you, having been around this team and watching them closely, they're going to have a couple of games this year in the Big East. They're going to have a couple. They might have one this week at the Phil Knight. Remember when they beat Auburn last year in double overtime? This team, this team has a star in Jordan Hawkins who at any given moment could hit three, four threes in two or three minutes like that. He, he gives them the spurtability. They're dangerous because they have perimeter spurtability. And when you defend them, and the problem is this, Takeo Siddle, the coach at UNCW, who I think does a nice job, said to me this past week that he tried to simulate in practice what Adama Sonogo does in the game. Look at Sonogo this week at the Phil Knight, everybody. He's going to have sweat dripping down his face two minutes into the game. The guy doesn't stop working. Siddle said, I couldn't simulate what he did my scout team players got tired 
five minutes into trying to do what Sonogo does. They were huffing and puffing. They go, coach, there's no freaking way that Sonogo does this every possession down. Siddle looks at them and goes, yeah, he does. And you guys saw North Carolina. He's better than Armando Baycott. That was, that was bold to hear. That was bold. Connecticut is loaded. They are. They're loaded up. It wouldn't, and it's not a bad thing in the Big East if they are the best team. It's not. No. I don't think there's a coach that has more pressure on him than, than Neptune has here in the next week or two. Like, he needs a good showing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he needs a good showing. Like, it, it, the people are already starting to wonder a little bit. Yeah, see, I think that that's a little it's bit hard, man. I think it's a little bit unfair for for two reasons. One, he he has no point guard on this roster. He was left with a program that has uh the, like the point guard options are Angelo Brizzy who ain't ready, Chris Archiakno who ain't good enough, and Mark Armstrong who's probably a year or two away from being able to function there. Um they haven't had Justin Moore healthy. Nothing you can do about that. And Cam Whitmore's got a broken thumb. Right. So right. It, it's 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 a lot to be said there. Well, here, here's the thing. The Quick, biggies Oh, sorry, go ahead. Quick thing on the Big East. The Big East had a bad week this past week. They had a bad week. They're off to a rough start. I always look at it this way from the Big East and Big Ten side of things. For both those leagues, we'll focus on the Big East for the sake of, of that we're focusing on them. When you look at these two weeks, Gavit Games, Feast Week. Gavit Games, Feast Week. You can't have two bad weeks. If you have two bad weeks, you're killing your resume and you're looking at four bits, three or four bits. Mm-hmm. If you have a good showing, we're talking five or six. That's the difference. That's the difference, literally. That is the difference. This week comes down to a couple of things, okay? Number one, the collective performance in the Phil Knight Invitational Phil Knight Legacy. Villanova has Iowa State on Thursday. It's a must-win game for Villanova. Xavier has yep. Florida Xavier has Florida for the right to basically play Duke. Big game for Xavier. You can't have two missed opportunities because if you're playing Duke on Friday versus playing Oregon State on Friday – that's a big, Huge big difference. difference. You want to win that game Thursday. You want to win that game over Florida. Mm-hmm. And is Xavier better than Florida? I think they are. I really they do. Should, they should be. They really okay. should be. Florida's been struggling. Florida does not look great this season. Let's continue. And I'm going to go rapid fire. UConn faces Oregon. UConn's better than Oregon. Show it. If you win that game on mm-hmm. Friday, you're going to play Michigan State or Alabama. And by the way, all right, Black Friday, Tom Izzo versus Dan Hurley in Portland. Are you kidding me? That That's would be – We had that last year. We had that la- – I think it was the battle for – it might have been Thanksgiving Day. We had Dan, Dan Hurley, Tom Izzo in Atlantis, which was not good for for my old ticker here, right? I please. couldn't really handle that. <laughs> Following – after that Auburn game? Please. It's a please. lot. Second. Okay, so those are the three – those are the three teams involved there. I'm going to trickle down for you a little bit. Marquette's in a Fort Myers tip-off MT with Mississippi State, big game, Utah and Georgia Tech. You tell me, Marquette. You're, it's yours to prove. St. John's MTE, Temple, Richmond, and Syracuse. St. John's, you're the best team of those four teams. You should win that MTE. Yep. Seton Hall. The most underrated game of Feast Week is Penny Hardaway facing Shaheen Holloway Thanksgiving night down in Orlando. Got to win that one. Huge game. Huge game. That's the best game of that ESPN Invitational. The winner or loser gets Oklahoma or Nebraska. The winner of that game is going to be set up in prime shop. The point, the point, if the Big East doesn't have a good showing this week, 
It can only blame itself. The opportunities are there, and it starts with Creighton as we do this podcast against Texas Tech. Well, and and here's here's the other thing about it is um, is if you have a bad week here, if you're the Big East, after struggling in the Gavit games, after seeing what the Big Ten did in the, yeah. in the Gavit games, after seeing what the Big Ten looks like they might be in line to do in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, like sure. this this week could be the difference between. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Four bids? That's what I said. Six or seven bids. Like oh, yeah, that's what I said. It's huge. Like, and if you are a Big East fan, like if you're if you're a UConn fan, you should be you should have been rooting for Providence to not go 0 and 2. If you are a Providence fan, you want Creighton to win the Mauer. You want UConn to win the PK 85. You want Xavier to go take down Duke. You want those things to happen because it's going to make the conference better um, as a whole. Uh, real quick, I, I want to talk about the ACC um, mostly because like uh, the bottom of it hasn't been great, right? And for a lot of reasons, like the Florida State's banged up and and Louisville is is kind of Louisville and like Georgia Tech hasn't been great. It, it's amazing to me that like Boston College has been as bad. as I think they've been outscored by 31 points in, in five games this season. And they're mm. probably going to finish like 10th or 11th in the conference. That's how bad the bottom of the league is. But I don't know if there's a conference that has a top three that we can look at and feel better about than that ACC top three. Maybe the Big 12, right? But is there – am I crazy to say that? Because Virginia, to me, was – that was the most eye-opening performance. And I think a lot of it, T.O., had to do with – kind of the emotion involved with that that team coming from that campus but that what they did in the uh I don't was it the main event in Vegas what they did yeah. to Baylor and then what they did to Illinois stifling them defensively like that that looked like a really really good basketball team yeah they were a year away last year they're here now and Reese Beekman continues to be really good doesn't he he is uh, I mean star, how good dude. is that good? He is a stud. I did not realize how good of a passer he is. Like he, he's yeah. he's like a point guard. He ain't. Yeah, like he, he is a point guard. That that's the part. That's been, in my opinion, that's kind of been the problem. Is that not a problem this year per se? But last year it seemed like, hey man, just give Reese the ball, get it out of Kihei's hands, because Reese can really make things happen. That dude is so lightning quick with the basketball. It's amazing. Uh, no, I mean if you look at the rest of the ACC, there's a lot of one loss teams. So I feel like Florida State has positional issues. It's not just, well, we they're injured. They have positional in, issues, and they don't defend like Florida State's usually defended. Like, so the, I'm sitting the point here, that RC keeps making is that they, they be, they're they playing seven guys now. And, like, the way that, that they want to play, um, if they're going to win, they need to basically play, like, 10, 11, 12 and just send waves at you, right? Yep, Do you, do you right. agree with that? I agree with it 100%. And not only that, like, if a guy's not defending, you can't just yank him because you only have seven guys. Like you got to live with his ineptitude defensively, which there's one guy that transferred. You, from you know, Florida you know that, a lot about coaches having to live with ineptitude defensively. Yep, I do know that. But the thing is, is Florida State doesn't function that way. And what, what's happened? There's one guy from Central Florida who's not guarding uh, very much, and it's really it, 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 the other teams are singling him out. 
So what's happening is he's getting beat so bad that the help side's not coming over because they're not used to coming over so far. So like they just they have positional issues. Outside of that, Louisville's just going to be bad. Florida State's just going to be bad. Uh, Pitt Pittsburgh's just going to be bad. So those those three teams right there are miserable. Outside Can we of talk that, about the good. I want to talk about the good. Let's talk about the good. Let's I'm talk trying about how to. good. I'm trying, but but there's fifteen. We don't need to dog the ACC, man. I feel but there's fifteen. There's 15 teams in a conference. So it's like there's a lot of, there's a lot of love to be had for the other 12. Like so Duke's <laughs> Duke's going to be there Duke. is? Yeah, there's I'm, I'm still I'm still riding. Syracuse is a top 7 seed in the ACC, prove me wrong. That's that, that's where we're at right now. No, they'll, they'll be in that 11-12 range because they're so young, playing so many young bodies. And if it looks like I'm looking down it's because I'm looking down at my iPad with all the stuff. Uh I'm not completely out. NC State being 4-0, I know they haven't played a ton. There's a lot to prove down here at Battle for Atlantis if they're going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Like, if they play Kansas first round, and there's still opportunities. Well. Now, well, maybe, maybe not. But at the same time, like, is, is Bill back? Is he is he back now? Oh, he's back, baby. Is he Bill back? He's back. He's back this week, and he's wearing Bill sunglasses into Atlantis. There you go. <laughs> no, but I'm not willing to sell on a lot of these teams. Georgia Tech, I'll sell. Like it's it's not great. It's not great. The the but I still feel like it's the first six or seven teams in the ACC. There's a drop off, and then it's the next six, and then those last three. It's just going to be brutal. Wow. I, I feel bad for Louisville because that like that's going to be a miserable year. I don't see how they is, win. Problem is the bottom is so bad. Yes. And the pro- and another problem is too is that if Florida State's zero and four, Florida State's zero and four, and what's going to happen in January is a lot of those guys are going to get healthy, and then they're going to beat some teams in that middle range, and it's going to be like shit. That's a bad loss because they're bad now. Like that's what's going to happen. It's going to stink. I want this game this week, okay? At the Phil Knight, Duke Gonzaga could meet in the final on Sunday if you look at the bracket. Uh, Duke and Gonzaga could could end up meeting here in the Phil Knight in the championship game. I want that game. I want it bad. I think that if you look at Duke, they should be encouraged, right, Rob? They should be encouraged by the way they played against Kansas. They should have won that game. All, in all honesty, I thought that I thought that they were in a position to win that game, but I thought that was going to be a blowout, and it was not. And and I got to tell you guys. I don't think I've been more surprised by any freshman more than I have been by Kyle Filipowski, who's averaging about 18 and 11 per game out of the shoot. He's been great. He's been great. Their size, they realized against Kansas just how dangerous it is to have Filipowski and Lively, even though Lively's still trying to figure it out. Like, to me, once Tariq Whitehead gets going, Duke, Duke has a chance to be really really special yeah i think to me the the key is kind of finding a way to get tyrese proctor to be like a knockdown shooter okay because i think that you can go with the two big lineup right but that i think that kind of limits you a little bit because we haven't really seen philip house like those guys both came in with a reputation of being guys that could make shots and they haven't really shot the ball great they haven't really been that threat yet this year um and Mark Mitchell's not a guy that like you're going to sit there and say, yeah, he's a force baser. Same with the Reek Whitehead. Like those dudes are good for a couple of reasons, but it, and a lot of it has to do with their versatility and toughness and, and things of that nature. So when they can, when those guys are at the three and the four, I can see how that works. When you have Filipowski and Lively out there together, I can see how that works. 
but it all kind of depends on like having one more person out there that is going to have the gravity to pull uh pull defenses in certain directions and to me like proctor kind of has to be that dude and he also i think he needs to be someone that defenses acknowledges like okay we have to not just run this guy off the line but like we have to respect him as a scorer too you know i think what made what i was really impressed about in the second half of that game against kansas was that uh shire found a way to like he figured out the mismatch that he wanted to attack and every time that 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 grady dick was guarding somebody he went right at grady dick and i think that's when things kind of changed because it pulled grady dick off the floor all of a sudden you didn't have a shooter on the out there for kansas and that's when duke made their run in the second half um so i think proctor is a guy that you need to be a weapon um but i i'm 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 much more bullish on Duke now than I was at the start of the season. I thought that they were going to get, I thought they were going to get beat up a little bit at the start of the year. And, and I I mean, they're, they're tough, man. But what, uh, what Shire said about playing a defense, like being a defensive minded team, like that's, that's what they are. And I I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be good. So let me ask you guys this. I'm going to put you on the spot. You have to bet all of your money, all your life savings right now on one team to win the ACC regular season title. Who is it? Virginia. UVA? UVA. UVA. Because they're going to pick them in the preseason, didn't you? Yep. As did I. That I did. Yeah, look, it it was Virginia. Motivation's the best. And uh, when they missed the NCAA tournament last March, it was the first time in eight years that they were not included in the field. That, That has fueled this group. And Tony's team last year was one that was in a retooling mode of trying to figure themselves out like if you watch them offensively they last year they were kind of moving in slow motion at times early but guys when they went to duke and beat them that was that to me i've brought it up before like that was a foreshadowing for what this season could be and when you look at reese beekman and what he did in vegas and when you look at what kihei clark and Jaden gardner bringing to the table like Virginia is dangerous because offensively they have different options. There's different ways that they can score the basketball. And when Tony Bennett has that going for him, oh, that that's what he had with Kyle Guy uh, and Ty Jerome. That's what he's had when he's had his best teams. He's got that here with this team. I, I'm with T.O. Like, I'm – and I, I'm calling it right now. Carolina's going to lose this week. They're losing one of these games here in the PK. I'm, t- I'm calling on it right now they're not they're not winning the pk title and next week i'll eat my words if they do north carolina to me is they the numbers next to their name for sake of what they did at the end of last year i i want to see them get tested here this week don't you don't you want to see them get actually tested we haven't talked about carolina because guess what they haven't played anybody yep they're gonna they are gonna get tested and, and we'll see how that ends up going for the record right now be in the finals yeah, for the record right now, North Carolina is plus one and twenty-five to win the ACC at Bet Rivers. Duke is plus two hundred, and Virginia is four and a half to one, plus four fifty. Go, you know, go get it now while you still can. Um, all right, let's talk about some of these uh these feast week tournaments. I want to start with the Maui. Um, the odds right now at Bet Rivers, Arkansas is plus two fifty, Arizona's plus two fifty, Creighton is plus five hundred to win it. So is Texas Tech, San Diego State sleeper plus six hundred to win it. Uh, how do you guys see this tournament playing out? What's the matchup you're most looking forward to? Well, I really want Creighton in Arkansas badly. I think it would be a dream of a matchup. 
the fact that a, a top 10 matchup could happen in the semifinals of a feast week tournament is downright crazy. I would love to see that game. And I think I'd love to see it because when I look at Arkansas, I see a team that with a lot of new pieces and parts, Ricky Council's been very good for them. I, I want to see how this freshman class does on this stage. And Creighton knows who they are. Creighton doesn't have much figuring out to do. And I think that when you look at Creighton guys, get this. Ryan Nemhard, 27 assists on the season to two turnovers. Wow. Like they've got they, yeah, that's 27 assists to two turnovers on the season. That's insanity. What mm-hmm. he's been able to do. That that's my dream matchup in this tournament. I think the winner of that game wins this tournament. However, I will say, Arizona's front court to me, is a real layer to this tournament. They're getting great production out of Azulis to Bellis, as well as Ballo. That duo, guys, thus far on the year, has combined for 37 points and 17 rebounds per game. Per game. Arizona's got twin towers inside, and they could play them both. So I'm fascinated by this tournament. I have a gut feeling we're going to get an Arizona – Creighton championship game. Yeah, I think it's going to be Creighton. That's, that's my dream matchup right there. That's my dream matchup. I was going to bring that up. I would love to see Kalkbrenner against Tubelis. I think that would be a great matchup. And then at that four spot, like, are they going to be able to extend out? Is Creighton going to be able to extend out the Arizona's defense a little bit? That would be a great matchup. Uh, I think it's hilarious that Louisville is in that tournament. <laughs> because that is not going to bode well for them. Uh Outside of that, guys, I mean, it's there's some good teams. Uh, I would say two great teams out of the bunch. Two Wait, great T-O. teams. T.O., T.O., who would bode better? Huh? Louisville or Chaminade? Here's, here's the thing is D2's already whooped Louisville. <laughs> so whenever they lost to Lenore Ryan, I know Chaminade's beating Lenore Ryan. Let's put it that. So transitive <laughs> property. Transitive property states only, that uh, <laughs> only on the DTF podcast will you ever hear. I know Shamanon's beating Lenore Ryan. <laughs> yeah, Shamanon's yeah, think... beating Lenore Ryan, and, and, and they're beating Louisville too. Like, yeah. boof. Yeah, it's funny. There's some Louisville fans down here for the women's uh, battle for Atlantis, and they don't even. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to give this year a break. <laughs> Talking about their men's team. Yeah, I think so. That's where they're at. I think Creighton ends up winning it. I think that they're the best team in that tournament. Wow. I think that it's uh, I'm all in on Creighton, so I can't I can't lay off now. I, I think you Texas know what State- that means. Do you know that? what that means? Okay, I'm I'm revealing the news here on the DTF podcast. Oh boy! So Biggie shoot around for the first time will be heading to Austin next week for a potential other heavyweight clash. If Creighton wins the out, that means Creighton, Texas in a top five game at the Moody Center. Ooh. That'll be a great game. Fanta You'll be impressed Moody, with that place. Fanta. Fanta at the Moody Center will be fun. Make sure uh make sure afterwards you go and find uh what was it, Don's Diner? I didn't go. You Don's you get the, what was the place we went beforehand that had that, that Shoal s- Creek. Oh yeah, that, that dude, was really good. That gumbo. Oh yeah. ho, 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 ho. don't worry, you so good. No I'm bringing my hey, and listen. This is live breaking news while we're here. 
the top available prospect in high school basketball just committed to the University of Texas, AJ Johnson. Um, all right, so let's go to the uh, let's go to the PK. There's the PK. So for the people that haven't been paying attention, there's the PK85 Legacy, and there's the PK85 Invitational. Let's start with the Legacy one first. We have uh, Duke, Oregon State, Florida Xavier, Purdue, West Virginia, and then Portland State is playing Gonzaga. Uh, how do you guys see this one playing out? I think I think this is going to end up being Gonzaga's to win. Yeah, I, I think it is. I'll be intrigued to see if Duke meets Xavier. That's a game that I'd like to see play out because of the fact that I want to see Filipowski and Lively T.O. go up against Jack Nungy and Zach Fremantle. I think that would be a really interesting oh, game. It's like a unique WWE tag team match. Like we don't, we would never get that normally, but Feast Week provides it. And I think, like, here's the deal: this is a big week for Jeremy Roach. Big week for Jeremy Roach to lead Duke. You know, Duke should make it to the championship game of this event. But guys, Xavier's good. Like they're they're really good. I think the key with Xavier, they're the team in my mind that we're going to talk about them differently in late February than we do now. I think you're seeing bits and pieces of Sean Miller rub off, but I don't, I didn't see the full effect in Friday's game against. Well, Indiana. The, he got Zach Fremantle on the same page. Like that's the biggest thing is that Zach Fremantle is bought in now. Zach Fremantle is the most talented dude on that roster. So um, Colby Jones being healthy matters, but Zach Fremantle being locked in and playing the way that you need him to play. It it completely changes everything. To you're why are you smirking? You're smirking just because you because you every time Fanta goes on a rant, you just jump at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So I my my dream matchup would be Xavier and, and Duke because Gonzaga Gonzaga is going to beat Portland, and then who who would they meet here on Black Friday? I'm sorry, who would Gonzaga meet in this event on Black Friday in the semifinals? Uh, Purdue or West Virginia? That's not good. That's not going to go well. However, however, dream individual matchup, like I'm here for Zach Eady versus Drew Timmy. Oh, right. That's interesting. Uh, I, I I don't think that that would go very well for Zach Eady. Oh, I, 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 I beg. I think it would go the other way. I beg to differ. I say advantage Eady. I, would too. I, I just, I, I He's saw, ripping. I saw Timmy foul out everybody on Purdue on Michigan State's front line. And then I saw him um get Oscar Sheway in all kinds of foul trouble. And I just oh, don't like how do you I, I see Zach Eady getting like four fouls in 15 minutes in that game. That's kind of the way that I would see well, it. I, I tend to I tend to go the other direction. I you think, think? Eady doesn't have to do much. He can just play vertical and there's no going up. <laughs> he doesn't have to go after anything. He's seven five. <laughs> I think Eady would struggle. That's the one Legit matchup seven. I think Eady would struggle. Legit seven five two. By the way Braden Smith, impressive. Mm -hmm. Impressive against Marquette. I mean, Painter, guys, I, I, like, quick quick aside, in the last week, Matt Painter and Fran McCaffrey have showed us how valuable they are the Big Ten, down or not, or whatever T.O.'s saying. Like, Purdue lost Jaden Ivey, and their guard play, they figure it out. And, and, and Iowa, who's ranked today, deserves to be ranked. Chris Murray has taken the keys to that car and he's running with it. And they got dudes. They, they they have experience. I like the big kid that, that they brought in um, as well. Rebracha. 
Philip Robacha, that like there's there's two coaches in McCaffrey and Painter who have reminded us just how good they are. But um, Gonzaga Duke in the final, and I'm going to go contrarian here. You got Duke. Duke wins. Yeah, Tio, what do you got? Duke can throw bodies at you. I don't think they beat Gonzaga just because of the Timmy effect, and he's playing against young dudes. Duke has dudes. Duke has young dudes. I know. Uh, the only way that that goes the other direction, if they put one of that, what, what's the old kid's name that transferred from Northwestern? Um, Ryan Young. Ryan Young. If they put him and just say, hey, play vertical, and then we need our young guys to come and block over the second side, like that's the only way I could see that happening. But if he gets matched up against one of these freshmen, forget it. He's going to eat those guys alive. So I would go I would go Gonzaga in that one. Purdue, West Virginia. Go ahead and put me with Purdue. That Zach Eady Timmy matchup, I, I'm really intrigued by. Really yeah. intrigued by. Uh I like the young bigs against Xavier. And so Duke's young bigs against Xavier. That'll be an interesting matchup. That'll show Xavier's medal a little bit. That'll also be a big win over Florida if they're able to attain that one. So can uh, I just oh, can I just tell you guys that we need to we need to keep an eye on West Virginia here? A lot of people are overlooking the fact that that uh, Huggins has a team that he likes, and when Huggins yeah. has a team that he likes, like that is that's a good thing. Yeah, well, yeah, good thing. yeah, I'm not seeing it though. Over Purdue, over an ultra disciplined Purdue team. So the reason right, why I say that on. is you have a, no. Well, you have you have a team that's going to throw waves of bodies at you that wants to press that wants to try to force turnovers and you're going up against a team in Purdue that has a freshman point guard, right? Like I know there's a lot of new yeah. faces on West Virginia, but they start, said, they start a senior in Joe Toussaint. They start a fifth year senior um, in Eric Stevenson. Uh, Kedrian Johnson is fifth year senior. Like they have a lot of really good tough guards that are going to guard you for 94 feet. And has Braden Smith or Fletcher lawyer ever seen that? It might be kind of situation where, yeah, uh, yeah. Zach Eady gets the ball in the paint. You know, that's they're not going to know what to do with him, but how are they going to get the ball to him? Yeah. I think that's a tough matchup. And I think that West Virginia would give Gonzaga problems too for a lot All of right. the same reasons. I don't think they have the talent. Guys, we need to, to we need to hurry because my battery's running dead on my computer. All right. So but I, Gonzaga and Gonzaga and Duke. Um uh, PK the PK invitational. Tell me why UConn's not winning that. <laughs> Fanta already got me bought in, baby. Fanta just called UConn the best team in the big east. He just basically convinced me they're winning a national title. So I think the fact that Michigan State can throw some different bigs at them and early in the season, the Big Ten teams are going to be good. So I think Michigan could beat UConn. Uh, So Michigan State, rather. So and Michigan State's playing well. They're playing without young people. Alabama's relying on young people. I think you get a North Carolina-Michigan State finals. And just all of it depends on what North Carolina – I think North Carolina's talent ends up winning that thing. So wait a minute here, for for a moment here. If we get Michigan State – and North Carolina. Do you know what that means? That means that we get the forever rare. If, if Michigan State meets North Carolina in the final, I believe that that means, that would mean that if you have Villanova beating Iowa State and you have UConn uh, beating Oregon, the forever rare conference matchup that does not count. Mm-hmm. You could get Villanova, UConn, and Portland. Yeah, and for and people this, that explain why that's happening, Fanta. So that is happening because UConn committed to the PK eighty five when they were still in the American. 
Mm-hmm. This happened when the Big East went through realignment back in 2013. Georgetown met Butler in an MTE. So th- this is happening because three teams are committed. It was Xavier and Villanova, and they would each go one side. Phil Knight's birthday, you know, this is a special invitation only. It's it's coming every five years. So UConn was invited, but they were invited when they were the American. They, they're not getting out of it. So they've, they've tried to separate Villanova and UConn as much as they could being in the same bracket, but the two could still meet because it's a bracketed event. It's just how it goes. Mm. So we could get that. We could get that game, which would be very rare and different. It would not count in the conference standings, folks. For those of you wondering if it would count, it would not count in the conference standings. I'd much, However, rather get, I'd much rather get UConn, North Carolina in the finals of that. You know what's going to be really interesting to me? In this, and, and then we can move on to the, the battle for Atlantis. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not North Carolina shows up and play. Like, the one thing it feels yeah. like that's been happening with them is that they've been kind of playing down to the opponent, right? It's kind of like, yo, we just made it to the final four. We ended Coach K. We did this and Cameron Indoor, blah, 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 blah. And now we got to play Charleston and UNC Wilmington. Like, what am I doing here? So I think we're going to learn a lot about North Carolina, like, if they show up and and decide because they they've been like turning it on and off. I don't know how much you've watched their first four games. They've been turning it on and off. For the record, right now UConn is plus seven hundred to win the Phil Knight Invitational. Oregon is plus six hundred. I'm just putting that in the atmosphere. I'm just putting that out there into the existence that 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 the team that lost by thirty to UC Davis is uh, is considered to be favored uh, over UConn tomorrow. So. I, I don't think I don't think there'll be a Big East matchup. I think Iowa State's going to beat Villanova. I don't necessarily disagree with that uh, either. Yeah. I'm just hoping that UConn gets Oregon because if they don't, um, you may have to put me on suicide watch. Uh, all right, Battle for Atlantis, Kansas. <laughs> Bill Self's back. Any we got any takes there? This is. I was really hoping to get a get excited about a Kansas Tennessee matchup here, but it kind of feels like Kansas is going to roll through everybody in this. It, it seems like it. Now this is a great way for NC State to show, like, hey, we're we're truly somebody to look out for in the ACC because they've been down for a couple of years. But I, if they're able to compete with Kansas, uh, there, there's no such thing as moral victories. There's a semi-moral victory if they're able to keep it close. Uh, so I would give that there. Uh, Dayton, Wisconsin, is that really going to move the needle for me? Not necessarily. Uh, Southern Cal and BYU, again, not all that exciting, but it's going to be good basketball regardless. But Tennessee, Butler, uh, Butler should have won that game. Uh, who'd they play the other day? Was it Penn State? Yeah. Like State. I thought, I, I thought Butler was a better team. Penn State has been shooting out of their mind. Are they going to be able to sustain that? I don't know, but I, I, I still like that Butler team. Um, it's just, yeah. Like, are these? There's going to be good games, of course. I hate that NC State's got Kansas in round one, but you know that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. But I, I think Kansas ends up winning this tournament. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I'm interested to to see what Tennessee does this week, just by virtue of how they've come out. They've been the strangest team in the sport. So, what do they look like now in the battle for Atlantis? Which version of them do we see? Doesn't BYU USC come off as a game that could be played in Dayton, Ohio, in the first four? Like mm. BYU USC to me is is going to be interesting. I, I'm interested to learn more about Mark Pope's team. I mean, you got Fusini Treor who is averaging nearly 13 points per game, seven rebounds per game, great length. They've got Spencer Johnson, Gideon George. Like, BYU's got some players, Rob, and they've got some balance on the offensive end of the floor. USC, to me, like, 
Where did T.O. go? Uh, I I think he was checking in with – I think he either went to the restroom. <laughs> we lost, we lost T.O. You know. I think he's plugging in. He's plugging his computer in. USC to me, like, I don't know what, what to make of USC at all. So – that's an opportunity for them against BYU. If we could get, if USC could meet Tennessee, you know who who knows? Because I, I I thought highly of Boogie Ellis coming in the season and and Peterson. Like I I thought USC could be a solid team, guys. At least like a top forty team. Are they that? I don't know. I don't well, know. That they lost. They lost their five star because of the the heart thing at the start of the season. So it's going to be kind of tough for them. But um, I, you said it's going to be a first four matchup. I, I, USC's got to do a little bit to prove to me that they're going to be able to get to the first four because based on sure. what has happened at the bottom of the Pac-12, like that 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 league that league makes the ACC look like it's going to be a gauntlet. So, with that in mind, we've been here for long enough. We've been here for an almost almost an hour and fifteen minutes. To just wants to get to the beach. He wants to get that uh that beautiful bald dome tanned just a little bit, get it going a little bit. Uh, it's basically. raining outside, and guys, I, I'm sorry if I seem a little irritated. You guys were like going in and out, and I was getting irritated with my computer. And then all of a sudden, like it would just cut out. So I'm sorry if I seem like. <laughs> well, look, there are about three times where it froze on us too, man. So listen, I appreciate you guys being here, To. Thank you for taking time away from your family to talk with us. <laughs> that's uh, that's always always an ideal. So the next time we'll talk to you guys, it's going to be Thanksgiving, baby. Next time we talk to you guys, we're going to have a little bit more to, to to get through. There's a lot of games this weekend. So uh, for John Fanta, for Terrence Olsen, my name is Rob Doster. We'll see you guys again Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.